as I center myself here, would you do me a, a huge favor as you sit there? Would you just grab someone's hand adjacent to you as we go before the Lord in prayer and as our kids make their way out? You know, before you do that, before you do that, any first-time visitors here at Citywide, we're not going to embarrass you. you. got one, two, about 10, 10, 15. Somebody give them a round of applause. Come on. Somebody welcome them to the greatest church in Bridgeport. Somebody shout amen. Come on, we're a bunch of mountain movers in this place. Amen. Hey, listen, if, if any of you are offended by me saying we have the best church, um, I firmly believe that if you don't think your church is the best, you don't belong there. And so, uh, welcome to the best church in Bridgeport. Amen. <laughs> oh, amen. Come on, let's grab someone's hands around you and pray as we go before the Lord. I believe God has an awesome word for you today. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before your presence right now. We ask you, God, that your spirit would rest in us. Lord, let your presence come over us. Let your spirit just touch every heart and mind in this place. As we go before you, God, we came to celebrate, God, that you're alive. That your son is risen. It is finished. The debt has been paid. And by the grace of God, we've been granted eternal life. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. You know, a funny story. I'm sitting up here during praise and worship, and I see Minister Melvin here, and he got this strange woman next to him. And I didn't know this is his wife. She cut his hair, and I'm about to go down there and just kick him in the head. Like, who's this girl? But uh, it was his wife. Somebody say amen. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew, the 27th chapter. I had your back, Janet. I had your back. Matthew 27. And you know, I firmly believe that if I don't speak about the death of Christ, I can't talk about his resurrection. So I want to spend a few minutes talking about the process of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. I'm reading from the New International Version. I'm in Matthew, the 27th chapter, starting in verse 11. Father God, just rest in this room right now. It says this, Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, Jesus, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony that they are bringing against you? But Jesus, somebody say, made no reply. Not even a single charge to the great amazement of the governor. Now, it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner. Your Bible might say an infamous prisoner whose name was Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message, don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of this Jesus. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus, the Christ, executed. 
which of the two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why not? Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that there was getting nowhere with the crowd, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. And all the people answered, his blood is on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. But he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. He said, who do you want me to release? Who should I release? The governor, Pontius Pilate, stood before Jesus questioning him as to, are you the king of the Jews? Or are you who they say you are? Jesus stood silent. He stood silent in the face of accusation. He stood silent in the face of adversity. Like a lamb to the slaughter, he remained silent concerning all the charges levied against him. And at this point in time, it was customary of the Roman governor to release one prisoner at the time of Passover in order to signify their Roman respect for the holy day of Passover. Are you with me today? He had two men before the crowd. One whose name was Barabbas and the other whose name was Jesus the Christ. Now, let me let you in on a little secret that Barabbas in, in Hebrew, it's just Bar Abbas, which means Bar is son, Abba means father. If you read the original Greek manuscripts and all the updated New International versions of the Bible, and if you read the New Revised Standard of the Bible, there's an interesting fact in the book of Matthew that is often left out of other books because of fear. And that was this. Hear me, hear me now. This is this, that Barabbas is a surname. Like my name is Louis Burgos. Barabbas was his family name, but Barabbas had a first name. And if you know how to read the original Greek, it's right there for you. And Barabbas' first name was none other than Jesus. And Pontius Pilate, he's standing before the crowd, and there's two Jesuses. Jesus is simply a Greek name for Joshua. And there's Jesus, Barabbas. And there's Jesus, the Messiah. Pilate says, which Jesus do you want? I came to ask somebody today, which Jesus have you chosen? Have you chosen the Christ, the Messiah, or have you chosen the Jesus of the Barabbas type? One man was righteous, the other was a lowly sinner. Jesus the Christ was a long-awaited Messiah, while Barabbas was a murderer. They were both sharing a common name, but the, the similarities stopped right there because there was nothing like in either of them. Pontius Pilate believed that Jesus was innocent, but his convictions had no courage. And so he did not press for the release of Jesus. 
indisputable historical fact that that day stood before Pontius Pilate, two Jesuses. One, the holy, perfect Son of God. The other, a sinner. And thousands of years later, the question remains, which Barabbas, which Jesus, rather, will you choose? So who was Barabbas? Who was this man that that was also named Jesus, but had a last name, Barabbas? From what we know, he was what you call a zealot. This is the group of rebel Jews who believed change would come through a national revolt against the Roman Empire. And scripture tells us that he had just murdered some people during an insurrection. He was a political animal who believed in self-redemption, not in redemption through a Messiah. The Bible calls him an insurrectionist. The Greek word for this means one who rises up against authority. He was against authority. Jesus for authority. Barabbas against authority. Are you following me today? Jesus, the Messiah, bringing the order of God. Barabbas, the murderer, bringing in a self-help kind of deliverance. Barabbas wanted to overthrow the existing government and take political power. Eventually, He would die. He would die in a Jerusalem revolt 40 years after the death of Christ. He is called a murderer in the book of Mark 15, 17, in Luke 23, 19, and in Acts chapter 3, 14. Barabbas was called a robber and a thief in the book of John chapter 18, verse 14. According to Josephus, the word robber means zealot. The crime of robbery was not a crime that was... Uh, uh, dealt with by killing you. You were penalized in other capacities and you were made to, to actually pay people back sevenfold. Why do I say that? Because the Bible says that Jesus died with two thieves. But if death is not the penalty of thievery, we have no other choice but to believe through translation that they were rebels and Jesus died with the, probably the friends of Barabbas. Jesus Christ. Barabbas was a member of this movement of just a revolt. He was a political freedom fighter. He believed in his own power to bring him freedom. Barabbas was described as notorious, which means famous in the Greek. It means popular and notable, and everyone around would have known who Barabbas was, and Barabbas was sentenced to death because of the murder of some Roman soldiers. Why did so many people want Barabbas? Because they believed in this world, not in the world to come. They believed in having power now. They believed in materialism and self-redemption, meaning that we believe that we can work out our own salvation, that if we're good enough, we can go to heaven. We believe that if we do enough things and we try so hard in our own power, in our own life, to get ahead through our own strength, but yet your strength is meaningless in the face of the strength of an all-powerful God. And I believe the greatest struggle we as people face is we've chosen the route of Barabbas to do things ourselves and to find strength in our own actions. We don't trust and lean on the grace of Jesus Christ. We hardly ever come to church. We want to come to church on a holiday that shows that we, we just leave that to Jesus. We depend on ourselves. We are the measure of truth. We are the measure.
measure of what is right and what is wrong. That's a spirit of Barabbas that has entered the world. Proverbs chapter 3, Solomon writes, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways submit to him and God will make your path straight. We have this self-help. I love Jesus. I believe in Jesus, but I'm not ready for him. I can do this on my own. This type of guerrilla spirituality where you want to get in and out like a guerrilla warrior. We hit now. We want to come to church on an Easter or on a Christmas. Or we want to serve God when it's convenient. But that's not the Jesus that I chose. That's Jesus, the, the Barabbas type. The one the crowd cried out for. No, send us Barabbas. He'll bring us immediate change. He'll bring us the change we want. He'll, he'll start another insurrection, another revolt, and maybe we could then beat the Romans. That's all they cared about was to change their immediate now. But yet Jesus offers something so much greater. Barabbas was a rebel. This type of process of, of finding your own way leads to a rigid religious system where we try to make it up to God's level or even worse, we try to bring God down to our level. We dumb him down. Our faith as people should never be in what we can do or what we can accomplish, but it should be rooted and grounded in something greater than ourselves. And that something greater, church, is Jesus Christ. Ask the person next to you, which Jesus have you chosen? I believe so many of us under the sound of my voice right now, we've chosen to make our own way. We've chosen to press our own path. We've chosen to do things our way rather than the way of the Lord. It was he himself, Jesus, God in the flesh. He was the promised Messiah. Come to save the sinners, not as a political king with soldiers and swords, but with his own life. It was that Jesus Christ is the exact opposite of Jesus Barabbas in that regard. It was that Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of the Father, the Son of David, who came to reveal the kingdom of God characterized by righteousness through Christ, not through our own works. Jesus came to save sinners by suffering the wrath of God in their place and on their behalf to give his life for us, to give his life for each and every one of us. He did it for you. He did it for me. Unlike Barabbas, Jesus refused to use raw political power to destroy existing government. He told Pilate his kingdom is not of this world. His mission was not the mission of the people. It was to save people from their sins, not their circumstances. From their guilt and from their death from the dominion of satanic forces, from hell itself, Jesus came as a liberator of the spirit, not of the body. In Matthew 1.21, we read, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save all people from their sins. Tell somebody next year, you're all people. Jesus Christ came to testify the truth that repentance and forgiveness of sins may be proclaimed on the basis of his work alone. You're only saved through what Jesus did, not through what you can do. And so he preached, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. 
put your faith in me. Come unto me, he said, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He said, come to me, all who are weary, all who are weary. I will give you rest. I, I love to say this all the time. When he says, come to me, all who are weary, he did not say all who are perfect. He did not say all who got it all put together, who deserve my grace, all who are Christian, all who are saved. He said, all, all, all. All who are weary, if you find yourself tired of a life in and of itself, if you find yourself struggling in and out of your whole life and your spirituality following Jesus, he says, come to me. Come to me. Barabbas taught his followers to kill, maim, and murder. But Jesus said in Matthew 5, 2 to his followers, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Ask the person next to you, which Jesus did you choose? One preached a murderous gospel. One preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Father God of love. And there they stood, two very different men with a very similar name. There was Barabbas, a man who was actually in need of Jesus' forgiving grace and truth. If we're honest today, so many of us are much like Barabbas. We rather do things ourselves rather than trust in the strength of God. We reject God's ways so often that our ways become second nature to us. We care less about who we hurt in the process. We've developed the real, I'll say it, ghetto mentality. A mentality of, I'm the one that matters. To hell with everybody else. We say stupid things like YOLO. Like if we thought we had two lives or something. We pretty much knew you only live once. Thank you, ignorant rapper, for telling us again. And thank you, thousands of American citizens and millions of ghetto people who repeat it constantly. <laughs> Time to laugh at yourselves there. Jesus offered a true gospel. He, would, he offered his way, the way of God. Barabbas, we have so much like him in us because he was a murderer. And maybe you've never killed nobody, but I bet you you've killed someone with your words and scarred their hearts and souls and not cared what you did to their spirit when we spoke to them. Walked around as if it was okay maiming and hurting people with our words and we murder with our words constantly and have no regard for other people the greatest lie ever told to man was sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me words have caused more wars than bombs and bullets there's more women in this place hurt by words than anything else there's more men in this place hurt by words than anything in existence we become murderers with our words and, and we have so much like Barabbas in us. We, we see someone like Barabbas in the Bible and we say, I can't relate to him. I'm a lot better. I'm not a murderer. I'm not a thief. Uh, I, I call you a liar. Because we murder with our words and when we steal, are uh, we stolen? We've stolen before all of us have. 
Some of us great. Some of you got felonies for stealing. Some of you never got caught stealing daddy's quarters from the vending machines. Or was that just me? I don't think he ever missed him. We all have a little thief, a little murderer in us. We all have a little liar in us. We all have a dark side. Listen, I guarantee you, most of you, if somebody, uh, if somebody was able to see the deepest, darkest thoughts you had, you'd be afraid, very afraid, because we have some dark things in our mind. If every single man under the sound of my voice is honest, you have some deep, dark, perverted things in your heart and in your mind. I don't care how saved you are, it's still there. It's sowed into your sin nature. Every day we have to fight that. Every day we have a little bit of Barabbas in us. And the choice is every day, am I going to choose the way of Christ, Jesus, or am I going to choose the way of sin like Barabbas? Barabbas was facing the wages of sin for Romans 6 verse 23 says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Barabbas was as bad as they come. And yet the people called out for Barabbas. It's, it amazes me that he was probably one of the worst type of men in society at the time. And the people cried out for him. They cried out for him. Some here today might be visitors or church regulars or maybe you're in and out. But one thing remains is that Often throughout our week, we're a lot like Barabbas choosing a way of sin rather than the way of the Lord. We're all sinners. We've all fallen astray. I sin daily. I don't preach because of perfection. I preach because of I have a heart after God. And so the crowd shouted louder and louder, egged on by the enemies of Jesus Christ. They cried out for Barabbas to be freed. And so Pilate agreed, and he released Barabbas to them. And Jesus was sentenced to death, while Barabbas, the sinner, went free at the cost of the life of Jesus. This entire story is a depiction of you and me. That we're the sinner that got to walk away like Barabbas did. And Jesus stood in your place. And so I came to tell someone today, if you feel a lot like Barabbas, like you've chosen your own path, you've chosen to make your own way, I came to tell you, Jesus took your place too. This Jesus that we love and that we serve, he died in your place. God allowed his only beloved son to surrender his life. For Barabbas, while Barabbas still struggled in sin, Barabbas was still a sinner. If you walk in here today still living in sin, maybe you're a visitor, maybe you're just someone who is finding yourself living in sin. Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners, Romans 5, 8. But God commended his love towards us that while I was still a sinner, Christ died. And so while Barabbas, Barabbas did not get his life together before Jesus took his place. Barabbas did not come to salvation before Jesus took his place. Barabbas did not get it together. He did not find perfection before Jesus took his place. But in the midst of his sin, Jesus took his place. I came to tell someone today that Jesus will meet you right where you are, full of love, full of grace, full of truth. He'll meet you right where you are. Somebody tell the person next to you, that's the Jesus that I serve. 
crowd chose Barabbas. But in reality, it was a picture of God who allowed Jesus to be a ransom for Barabbas to pay a debt Barabbas could never pay. I love when the Bible says that Jesus paid a ransom. I love when the Bible says that Jesus was the ransom for you, for me, and for all of our friends and family. That was Jesus. He paid the price. I love it because when I think of a ransom, I think of those crazy drug cartels out in Mexico. Maybe in Colombia or something like that. And, and they'll kidnap people and, and then they'll hold them for a ransom. And unless somebody pays, that person won't be set free. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I know if they come and got me, I'm done. I'm just, ain't nobody paying for me. They came to my bus while I'm on a tour. You don't want me. My whole family's broke. It's funny, but yet we were spiritually broke. Yeah, we, there was no way that you could pay the debt for sin. I need you to understand something. The Bible says that sin in and of itself, sin requires the blood to redeem it. There's got to be a payment for sin. Every time you sin, it's not as if nothing. There has to be a payment for that sin. That's why they would kill goats and they would kill bulls and they would kill sheep by the thousands. But the blood was never good enough because the animals were sinful. Not that they sinned, but they were under the curse of the earth and they were, they were still without perfection. Every tree, everything we see is under the curse of sin because of Adam and Eve. And so Jesus is called the Lamb of God without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. Jesus, perfect in all of his ways. That's why the fact that Jesus was perfect, he paid the ransom for you and me because he was perfect. And so the blood of the perfect Jesus was the only blood that was good enough to pay the price of sin. He was the ransom for you and for me. Don't you, I don't think you get it. When the Bible says that he was a ransom, when the Bible says that, what, it, what it's meaning is that you were bound. You were imprisoned. You, you were captive to sin. You, you were bound up. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but I, 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 if you want to know if you're bound up, try stop. Yeah, try stopping your sin. Try quitting cigarettes, cold turkey, see how far you get. Try stopping all the stuff you used to do and see how far you get. And it's so hard and sin pulls us back. Premarital sex pulls us back in. Oh, I wish I had an honest church today. Clubbing and drinking and all that kind of stuff. It's so hard. It pulls us. It gravitates us. I mean, we feel so pulled to it all the time. And we try to serve God, but the pull of the world comes back. Do I have anybody who once came in and out of church and you felt the pull of the world trying to get you back? It's because Satan's like, I still own you. You're like, no, you know, no, no. The ransom's been paid. You see, when Jesus died on that cross, the Bible says, this, he said, it is finished. 
I preached on this about four years ago. He said, it's finished. And that word, those, those few words is just one word in the original Greek. And it's just the word, it's tetelestai. One word, tetelestai. And that word is, is actually kind of a money term, an accounting term in Greek. And it means the debt is fully wiped out. some of us here we're still in sin we're still struggling in the place of sin in our lives back and forth between God maybe some of you this is your first church experience in a while maybe in your life maybe this is this is this is your first type of church experience with all this kind of lights and and, and uh, you know concert type stuff and and I want you to look past that that's just how we happen to do stuff that's not for anything we just happen to really like our lights and our sound system that's all doesn't make us better, doesn't make us holier, just makes us kind of cool, but that's about it. I mean, that's pretty awesome, I'm just saying. It took us forever to build it this morning, I'm saying. We had about, we had about 20 volunteers this morning coming in. They come in every Sunday morning, they set this up, and then after service, you'll see the whole thing disappear within 20 minutes. We should give a round of applause for our volunteers, Amen. Because while some of us were still sleeping, they were getting up early. Some of us were still at home comfortable. They were building stuff, and, and they were running around this entire building, this 6,000-square-foot this place, and, and they're running around just getting stuff done. Somebody say amen. And the reason I'm saying that is because while you were still a sinner, home in your comfortable sin, Christ stepped out of his throne, left himself in discomfort. He laid aside his majesty. He laid aside everything that splendor of heaven had to offer him and he gave us the greatest gift ever and that was the potential for eternal life I believe most of you believe in Jesus but I believe many of you don't know Jesus would you stand to your feet with me as I close this up right now we've got about eight more minutes I got about eight more minutes and we're out of this place and I'll excuse you and would you do me a favor as you stand, just out of reverence, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Would you not look around and don't worry about who's around you? Would you not worry about anything else? And I want you to focus in right now. I know, I know today might just be another Sunday for you, but I promise you today is the greatest day in human history. The day we've chosen to celebrate that Jesus is alive. The victory has been won. The victory has been won. He's won it all. He's won it all. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed right now. It's just you and the Lord. It's just you and the Lord right now. No one around you. I want to offer you an invitation, and I won't call you to the front, but I want you, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come on, no one looking around. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you want to get to know him today, maybe for the first time, or maybe you want to recommit your life, would you lift your hand as high as you're physically able? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, church, about 15 hands, 16 hands are going up. 17 and 18. Come on, I believe there's over 20 hands lifted right now. 21 and 22, come on. That's right, he's won it all. He's won it all. He's won it all. Come on, tell him. He's won it all. Somebody shout it out. He's won it all. Come on, he's here right now. Come on, come on. Come on.
Come on, bow your heads. He's here right now. We're going to lead a prayer right now. And I want every single person to repeat this prayer as we help those who are making this awesome commitment to Jesus Christ. Come on, dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm so full of sin, but I accept your sacrifice that your son made on Calvary. And I choose Jesus the Christ. I will follow him all the days of my life. I accept him as my Lord and Savior. And I know that he is with me. Strengthen me now, Lord, that when I leave this place, I won't forget the words that I uttered into your ears. Tell him, I don't want to forget the promises that I've made to you in this moment. But I pray that I will walk with you all the days of my life. Come on, would you lift your hands all across this sanctuary? Come on, lift your hands all across this sanctuary. Come on, if you know the Lord as your Savior, if you want to give Him a last worship right now, 20-something people just gave their lives to Jesus. Can I tell you something? Can I, can I tell you something? Come on, look at me really quickly. Look at me really quickly. Just two weeks ago, just two weeks ago, this church was a church of about 150 people. And in this room is over 400 people. Last week we had 300, and now we have 400. And I believe God is doing something supernatural in Bridgeport. Come on, lift your hands. Just, just close your eyes and lift your hands. It all for me. Come on, tell them death. And death could not hold you down. That's right. Come on. You are the risen king. You are the risen king. Come on, tell them. You're seated in majesty.
Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's right. Come on, you have won. Just one gives their life to Christ. All of heaven rejoices, but yet over 20 made that decision today. There's a party like no other right now at the throne room of God. Somebody shout glory. Come on, make some noise. Come on, could you lift it up with all your heart? Declare your joy today. Lift it up with all of your heart. 